tolerate frustration and disappointment. Uh, you know, so but yeah, there there's usually some kind of psychological deficit operating when things become so intolerable. Is your only answer? But well, I just well, like know, to my, jump my in. Thought and is also, my thought is this also. Sometimes there's people that do mean things to you. We know that. So sometimes they deserve what they get, or maybe they don't. I, I, I just want to add one thing that you know when, when uh, what Dennis was saying. Um, you know, as a you know, I was a journalist for you know most of my life and covered all the big crimes. And one of the fascinating things about Son of Sam was it was one of the few big crimes I can ever remember where there really was no motive of any kind. In other words, uh, there was no, I mean, there was no sexual. He didn't rape the victims. He didn't know the victims. He, he simply was killing for the sake of killing, which is completely different than, you know, Robert Chambers or, you know, Bernie Getz or, you know, other things like that where there's a motive. So I, I think it is very, certainly in real-life crime, it's very unusual when someone kills really for no reason other than the, the, the thrill of killing. But that, of course, makes it a, uh, an interesting story when it does happen. It yeah, does, doesn't it? Well, there are so thrill killing. I mean, you know, people do do yeah. that. Mm. And you're right they about have nothing better to, yeah. David Berkowitz. I mean, really did not have motive. That no motive. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. We all want to try to understand. And one thing I've learned after 30 years mm-hmm. as a therapist, human beings are unfathomable. Therapists or psychiatrists or social psychologists say, we don't know why people snap. know why someone with no criminal record, not even a DUI, goes on a killing spree. Mm. Because we don't know the workings of the human heart. We just don't. That's not scary. At the deepest. So when you create your novel, how do you decide on the primary conflict and murders at the top of mystery thrillers, that's so cool. And there are days I wish I could write one about a real person and make believe it's dead. You know, what can I say? So how, how do you decide who the victim is and how the murder happens? Well, you know, in my, in my case, you know, I don't have the experience you know, my fellow panelists here have. They've written many more mysteries or uh, crime thrillers than I have. So I only have the experience of my one novel, Freedom Drop. And um, uh, in the novel, actually, there's, you know, I, I can tell you how it came about, but that's a different uh, question you're asking, I think. Um, uh, the primary conflict sometimes evolves as you're working on the, on the uh, at least in, my, in this case, and in my case uh, of writing short stories, sometimes evolves in process as opposed to something that you uh, pre-arrange before you even begin writing. I don't know if the other guys agree with that. Yeah, mm. definitely. It, de- it depends. I mean, uh, I, I'm a pantser, unfortunately. So I, I don't even know when I start a book who the victim is or who the killer is. I just start writing and start right. talking and then around 120, I start figuring it out and have to go back and rewrite everything. It's not efficient, but... Well, you know, it's interesting, Dennis, because I'm a pantser too, but I do it actually the complete opposite. I was thinking about this question is uh, I start with the victim. I mean, before I do anything else, I I mean, that's the beginning of the book. Somebody somebody dies, and, uh, and everything else comes from that. Um, I think the key with the victim has to be like, you know, so the book I have out now, Beyond the Headlines, the victim is a glamorous kind of Kim Kardashian, not a victim, but her husband is, but she's the, uh, she and her husband are kind of the the key people, you you know, who's like a billionaire. So you want a victim who's, who's got some, who's interesting in some way, whether it be money, sex, you know, you know, fame, something. Um, and that's how I start the book, pretty much. I start with the victim, and I, I generally don't know what happened to the victim, why, or who killed him. But it, it, for me, it starts with the victim, and I, I can't really begin writing until I, until I've killed somebody, really. You know, in the beginning. That is really cool. So, well, that's, an, I mean, I think that's a good way to start. Them? I mean, with my current novel, Panic yeah. Attack. Oh God, I had one to reading it. Oh, you have been reading it. <laughs> 
I read the whole in an hour and a half. Seriously. Oh. <laughs> but see, I mean, the I had a panic attack and... afterwards. Thinking uh-huh. I was you had going one to afterwards. Yeah, no, yeah. the thing is with my opening sentence, I said something like, on a bitterly cold afternoon in November, I was one of 20,000 yeah. witnesses to a murder. I don't. I know we're in a football stadium. That's why I'm one of 20,000 witnesses. But I don't know who got murdered. I just write that sentence and then force myself to solve my own problems. It's like I said, it's the most inefficient. Well, you, know, you killed a lot of people in that book. Yeah. But I, I, well, well when you have me. a sniper up in the building yeah. shooting at people, you got to kill at least four people, <laughs> which is... I think you I think you got a little bit more than that, but you gotta promise me people. I just finished reading The Darkest Place by Philip Modelin. He's gonna uh-huh. interview on March eighth and in the third chapter I went, You gotta be kidding. Oh my god. He called off somebody I really love. And I can't yeah, believe he did that. I killed he, he off killed a, off a main character. A main character I killed off a recurring character in head wounds and I've never lived, I've ne- I've never heard the end of it. So That's right. It, it, exactly. You, you know, heard what I said. Fran, I've said this before, but Philip Margolin, who I've never met, but I've been on your show with, um, he's written a lot of good books, but he wrote, you know, maybe one of the best thrillers I've ever read, I think probably back in the 90s, called Gone But Not Forgotten. And it's, uh, it's, it's a great serial killer book. And if anybody hasn't read, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not working for Philip Margolin, but it's, it's one of my handful of, he's great. of books he's that, great. I, yeah, that I can pick up and read again. It's, it's just a terrific book. Well, when you read this one, you're going to say, you got to be kidding, you didn't really do that. And mm. poor Robin Lockwood, that's what felt so bad. And the person that she's defending, well, I figured it out, but oh, my God, it's really, mm. it's really good. So your main character, does your main character usually help on their own to solve the case, or does somebody ask them to and they get roped into it? Well, well I'll, I'll jump in first because I've uh, this is uh, basically it obviously it depends on every character and my character is a journalist. Uh, if your character is a police officer or a private detective, it's easy because they get hired. You know, it's their job to solve the crime or they get hired to solve the crime. Uh, if it's a private citizen, you kind of got to figure out a reason why. Uh, why that person is involved, like a Jessica Fletcher, why she's always getting involved in murders. So I'm sort of in the middle with a journalist. If it's a big story, my journalist starts covering it. Uh, But unlike real-life journalists who don't actually solve crimes, uh, you know, my character winds up solving the crime because it's fiction. Uh, But I I do think, based on who your character is, uh, there are different reasons why that person would get involved in the murder. And the easiest is to have them be a cop, because if it's a cop, you just, you just solve the case. But, um, you know, a lot of us don't write police. Well, that's the thing. Since my main character is a psychologist, um, one of the hard things is for me to figure out a way he could legitimately be involved in a crime. And I'm figuring out ways. I mean, like, for example, in... in uh, uh, the him, and so everyone thinks uh, the murder victim who was his. It was actually Daniel who was the target. Daniel tries to help solve the crime. Or in there's an armed bank robbery, and the police call him because the only surviving witness is in shock, and they need Daniel to help her to talk about it. And so there, I always figure out ways as a police. But then he goes too far and does more than he should, and that's where his tension with the police come in in almost every book. They're, they're very un- yeah, allies, and they don't well. I, I, I get you. My main character uh, is is, is uh, really. I mean, it's it's almost sort of a, a stranger in a strange land uh, type situation. He's an ex New Yorker that. Mm. that leaves the city and moves to a very small Caribbean island. And I wrote a, bit, a series of stories for this character. And the first conflict he gets involved with is just happenstance. He takes down a, a drug uh, trafficker from Guyana. And after that, uh, the people in the island start coming to him 
because he helped out an Islander in that. It was just out of the, you know, it was nothing planned. And uh, after that incident, others on the island would just come talk to him and say, listen, um, can you help me do the police aren't doing this? It's not even about solving a murder, but can you clear the name of my my cousin? Uh, I have a friend that was uh, uh, murdered, but I'm not, I mean, not murdered, but it was uh, said he committed suicide, but I don't think he did. Things like that. All of a sudden, he does it because he seeks acceptance on the island. He's a white man on, a, on, a, on an island, uh, a Caribbean island, where it's, it's predominantly, you know, uh, African uh, slave uh, uh, people that were descendants of African slaves. And so it's a sort of, he does it sort of out of trying to be accepted into the community. And by the time I've, I've written my novel, he is accepted, and it becomes uh, a lot of times they'll come. Uh, people will come by actually with offering a home cooked meal to talk about. Mm-hmm. Can you help my son? Uh, because the police are not helping, and so that's how he gets involved in these crimes uh, or potential uh, uh, murders. In the case of my novel, in the case of my novel. There is no real murder. There's a crime. There's a dead woman. We don't know if she's been murdered or if she's killed herself or if she died accidentally. Mm. So uh, uh, a man is, uh, uh, is uh, uh, the, the mother of the, the victim um, finds some evidence that, that, um, uh, that a, a, one of the islands uh, – Tour guides is uh, indicted over its flimsy evidence, so he helps to try to clear the man's name. Um, and, but we never really know if, um, uh, if, if the woman that, that was ki- that died was killed, murdered, and we don't know if the man did it or if there was somebody else involved. So it's sort of ambiguous, and I don't know if people like that or not, but uh, you can ask Fran. She read the book. <laughs> uh, I read it. If that worked, yes. Um, I felt bad because of the ending. That's why I got a bunch of tissues oh. on that one. I was That was a surprise <laughs> ending. I said, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> what can I say? So that's, you that's know, my Fran, next term, question. Well, I was going to say ahead, just one more I was going to say about the getting involved. I, I wish I could sometimes go back and change my character to get her more yeah. involved. And I've talked to you about this before, but um, my my character, like my I've I've done four Claire Carlson books, and she's I uh, got a fifth one coming out next year, and she is a uh, news director. She's not a reporter; she's the news director. And the reason for that was the original book was a standalone, and it had it was very much about her, and I never thought about doing a series, so I had her as the news director, which kind of worked for that book. And then they, uh, when they said, would you want you know, do a series? And of course, like all of us, would be, yes, of course. And uh, so I, I basically you know, got myself kind of in a corner where every book, I have to figure out a reason why the news director, rather than sitting in an office going over you know, budgets and ad rates, is out there. And I, I guess the best comparison might be something like Macmillan and Wife, where the police commissioner is out with his wife solving crimes and things like that, uh, or you know, Jessica Fletcher again, who running around on her own doing stuff. I mean, you know, you stretch, you stretch believability to do it. But uh, if I had to do it again, I, you know, I'd probably make the character a reporter just so it's easier to do. But um, so it's not always, it's not always a well thought out plan. Yeah, but sometimes Agreed. you make her do the. Sometimes you put her on television because she wants to do the story. She wants to report. Well, she it, has right? to do the story because again, you know, nobody's yeah. going to read a book about her sitting in an office. So uh, I know. there's always a reason that she gets uh, personally involved. I know, but then you have the two guys, Dana and then the boyfriend, and they don't get along very well, do they? The the two stars of the of the of the network. Oh, the co-anchors. Uh, yeah. Well, come on. You know, yeah. you can't have uh, you can't have. Um, TV anchors without uh, you know a lot of a lot of tension and things like that you know. This is true, and these two got a lot of, more than that. That's for sure. Well, they're, so, mar- they're my- Yeah, I basically have a, two characters who are TV anchors and they're married. So yeah. you can imagine that Bad there's idea. a lot of uh, stress. A lot of stress. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you decide whether to kill off the killer or find another solution or actually let the killer get away? That would be cool. And you get to bring him back. 
Well, once in a while, <clears throat> I think it's important to let the villain get away, or at least suspect the villain. That's cool. Yeah. If you can do it, you know, the time the the reader really wants, and I want, the completion, the catharsis. Yeah. Uh, well, then you have to decide uh, you, whether you're going to let him get away or you're going to kill him. Well, how are you yeah. going to get rid of him so that you know that he's not coming back? Well, if he does yeah. get away, are you going to bring him back in the next novel? That would yeah. be even cooler. That's, that's like a James Patterson novel. Yeah, you can do that sometimes, but I tend not to do that. I, I tend to have my novels tend to be kind of complete in and of themselves, even though they're uh-huh. running re- characters who grow and change. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of done. Uh, so, anyway, that's how I feel about it. I, I think to do that, uh, you know, and I've seen it done very effectively, but, I mean, I think to have mm-hmm. the killer get away at the end, I mean, it, 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 number one, it, I, I, I think it can't be doing too, too much. I mean, I think it's when it happens, mm-hmm. it's unique. Uh, the two couple examples I'm thinking of, and, I, you know, I don't know if spoiler now because the book's 30 years old, but, you know, uh, Michael Connelly's The Poet, which is a, a wonderful, wonderful, you know, oh, my, my, I think it may be my favorite Michael Connelly book. Well, that and The Last Coyote I probably are one and two for me, but but uh, you're right. And, uh, and there's a very ambiguous ending to that, which works incredibly. And the other thing, uh, you know, from a movie point of view, because my friend actually, a friend of mine wrote the script for this, but the famous movie ba- uh, Basic Instinct by Joe Esterhaus, uh, if you remember the ending to that, um, it's left very ambiguous. I mean, she's she's in bed, Catherine's mm-hmm. in bed with Michael Douglas, and then you see the ice pick under the bed. And, you know, the implication is she got away with it, and she's going to get away with killing him. But you don't know that. Um, and yeah. it, it, in both cases, I think it could be very effective. But if it's used too much or not used well, then I think it, it has a feeling just being kind of a cop-out. Yeah, I think you, what you don't want to do is frustrate the reader. You, you, you don't want to ask them to go through 300 pages right. and at the end go, well, <laughs> uh, I, well I, I, if I make me want to throw the book at the wall. Right. I've done that recently. Oh, you've been <laughs> throwing books? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, maybe that's how I hurt my knee. <laughs> All I know is that I've been reading a lot, and I've been getting some that have, like, are you serious? There's no way that that could happen. Well, you've got to be kidding me. That's not that's not plausible. Then I have to think of a nice way to say something about it. And I just um, emailed the publicist. It was not a murder book. It was more like a self-help. And the title of the book is whatever it is. And I said to her, this book sends out a very bad message to people. And I had to really figure out a way to say that I disagreed with what she was saying, but it was written very well. And they liked what I wrote. And it wasn't a negative review. It was just that, yeah, well, the net title of the book was Dare to Do Nothing. And she's teaching everybody how to live their lives doing nothing. It's interesting, if you can get away with it. So, does your villain ever show remorse, or is he glad that he did what he did and shows no remorse? Uh, it depends on the villain. I've right. had a couple yeah, villains show remorse. Most not. Uh, because most killers in my books are psychologically justified in their minds. Oh, that's good. It's important to remember is people don't do bad things because they like being bad. Like, you know, 90% of the time they do bad things because they think it's going to make them happy. Rob the bank. So they do think bad things just for the sake of doing bad because they feel they want to how it feels to do get away with it? No, I fun? think for... A bank robber doesn't go, gee, I want to be a bank robber. They think if I have a lot of money, yeah. I'll be happy. And and then yeah. if they rob a bank and get away with it, the thrill of that makes everything else in life seem boring, so they do it again. That's cool. I, I mean, that's the only thing I can think yeah. of. Uh, mm. and, uh, you know, the exception right off the bat is uh, the co-ed killer, Ed Kemper, who got away with it being a serial killer so much, he got tired of the police not finding him, and he turned himself in. Yeah. You know, I think what I, I think what Dennis said about uh, you know different kind of killers is my mm-hmm. feeling too, because so in my books it's always it's a lot of times it's not simple. It's not like somebody killed somebody and then we catch that person at the end. Um, 
there may be somebody who's a real bad person doing a lot of bad things in my book, and my character sorts all this out. But then in the mm-hmm. end, and this has happened in a couple of the Claire books, the actual murder is done by somebody else, which isn't directly related to that, but was caused by that. And, and that person is not necessarily evil, but committed this murder out of just, you know, an opportunity or a, or a moment of craziness or something like that. Um, and certainly those people are, uh, are remorseful. Um, so yeah, it just, it just depends on, on who the villain is and what, and what their motive is. I think probably in my books, the, the killers are, are more remorseful because they're not, you know, they're not, the killer themselves isn't necessarily a terrible person, although some of the people doing the things in my book are, are terrible people, if that makes sense. So if they show remorse in court, do they get a lesser sentence, or does the judge say, thank you very much for saying you didn't mean to do it, you're going to prison forever anyway? <laughs> Well, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, at least I don't deal with the sentencing. I mean, my book ends at a time, you know. Uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't get into, you know, once they're taken away to jail or they, I mean, that's the other question is, and I, I've gone probably 50-50 on this, do you kill the villain or do you arrest them? And, uh, again, it depends on the book. Sometimes the villain yeah. is shot dead or whatever is killed, and other times the, the you know, the, the villain is, is arrested and uh, will have to pay for the crimes, but that's kind of where the book, my books end. I don't, I don't get into their rehabilitation or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, but what what happens sometimes? You know, I taught for thirty six years, and I met a lot of students, a lot of teachers too that were interesting. And do do they ever do this just to get attention? I mean, I had students that did things to get attention, and then got my attention for the wrong reason. They didn't like it. They didn't do it again. That's for sure. They learn it's better not to get my attention for the wrong reason. So does a killer ever just kill just to see if anybody notices him because he feels like he's in the background and invisible? Well, Son of Sam would be a classic case for yeah, that. I mean, I that was, yeah. Serial killer. Uh, some serial killers uh, uh, like the mm-hmm. attention. I mean, right. they wouldn't be sending notes to the press and stuff if they didn't get off on it. Right. You know, and, and you know, it, it, people who wounded narcissists, a lot of serial killers are need uh, that attention. Yeah, and 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 Fran, you remember that I you remember my la- my last book, uh, I think the last scoop, the one I did a year or two ago. I actually oh, that deal was with really that question, good. right? And I deal with it because so basically, without giving anything away, I have a serial killer who's been killing people, women, for like twenty years, and no one ever put it together. I mean, he's like yeah. operated on the radar. Nobody ever figured out that this woman here was connected to this woman, and he actually comes forward, you know, starts taunting the media because he wants the attention. So, I mean, in answer to your question, yeah, that's kind yeah. of the, the basic plot of, of, of a recent book of mine. That, that is really true, and I can't wait to see what you guys are going to write next. But I think the king of scaring me most is Vincent Zandre. He, he like, I, I never know what he's going to write. Like I said, I keep the lights on and, and, and I make sure that somebody's <laughs> around when I finish reading it. Yeah. And he's sending me something else. And I said, he's writing a book called The Teacher. So I said, I would love to be the mean teacher in the book. <laughs> I was never really that mean. He's, 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 some, scary. he's scary. Scarier than like Stephen King or somebody? Yeah, he's scarier, yeah. I just wow. finished, um, if you haven't read, um, I haven't read the series that with the two detectives that Michael um, Connolly wrote. They just sent me uh, Dark Hours. It was interesting. Yeah, with Bosch and Renee Ballard. Yeah, I just I just finished that one too, and yeah, I'm reading. I'm, uh, um, so what what did they send me? Of oh, the Echoes of the Dead, I have to just send me that that that's interesting, and I finished a whole bunch this week. I must have been on a well, roll. Well, you know the Michael Conley thing is interesting because you know and yeah. you guys know it too because it's just it's you know he's trying to figure out a way to deal with the aging issue of Harry Bosch and you know what he's done is hooked Harry up with this you know younger woman. Uh, uh, sort of a, you know, a version of himself, yeah. and it's, it's you know it's been very uh, it's been very successful. Um, one other recent book, and I just threw this out because I just read it and I was kind of amazed how, how how good it was, and also that it was like a pure thriller. Is if anybody's read Billy Billy Summers by Stephen King, which just came out I guess a few weeks ago, it is not Stephen King horror in any way. It is pure thriller, and you know it's Stephen King, and it's really good. He's a great writer. This. He is. I don't get his. I don't know why they don't send him to me. Seriously, because I'm really good at these things. I try anyway. So I don't. I don't know. Um, so here am I going. Some characters, 
both major and minor, have huge egos. Do your, does your character or many of the minor ones have an ego problem that they have to prove themselves to everybody? Uh, I don't think Daniel Rinaldi necessarily has a – I mean, he's, he's arrogant in a certain kind of way, but he's trying to prove himself because he has survivor guilt. If you remember, Fran, I mean, when he and his yeah. wife were mugged, his wife was killed, he survived. He has a lot of uh, survivor guilt. As he says in one of the books, you know, I had this unearned luck to survive. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to earn it ever since. So rather than an ego, his mission is kind of driven to alleviate his guilt. Uh, that okay. makes him do things, stupid things arrogant things, quick-tempered. He used to be an amateur boxer, and his inclination toward violence is one something he has to really deal with. And I like the juxtaposition of him being a therapist who struggles yeah. with his own anger management issues. So you add guilt to anger, and you get a guy who's like pretty much a, a, a live wire at any point. Kind of what well, if you I want to know him. more, listen on Friday when Dennis, Dennis and I go after Dennis, uh, his uh, panic attack with Daniel Rinaldi. And we're going to talk about panic attacks because a lot of people have been asking me you know, to handle that topic. I don't know why, but they do because a lot of people are having panic attacks. But this Since lovely the pandemic. pandemic that doesn't want to leave. Yeah, nobody, <laughs> I don't want to get off. I know, it gets me annoyed. There's been a big rise in panic attacks since uh, uh, the condition being yeah. being uh, diagnosed uh, since since the pandemic. So yeah, panic attacks are are becoming more and more common, and you know I look forward to talking to you about their symptoms and their treatment uh, on Friday. I'm looking forward to that also because my whole my nieces have panic attacks all the time, and instead of having the attack, they call me so they can complain and I can tell them not to have it. And all hours of the day. <laughs> I'm getting good at this. But I just finished, um, I'm so curious about where the story takes place. I just finished Emily Horton, The Dark. The, I had no idea what I was going to read. This is phenomenal. It takes place in Antarctica at a station, and she's a doctor that's called in to replace somebody, and there's somebody there that wants to kill up everybody in the station because somebody got killed before that. And I didn't realize the scenery and the research that goes into living in Antarctica never, ever, ever. So, how does the scenery, the this, this setting, take place? Without you know, help in you know for the novel and the and the, the storyline, where it takes place. Well, I can I can handle that at first. Um, my story takes place in the Caribbean, and, and really the setting is part of the character of the. Uh, of the novel and the series. Uh, it's a small island, and uh, you learn the cadence of the island, uh, the pace of the island, um, and, it, and it's just part of the flow of the story, I think. Uh, and it's, it, in, in my case, I was a travel writer uh, for many years, and uh, really specifically the Caribbean. Uh, so I know the islands, and uh, 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 very familiar with the uh, the types of different you know, different types of islands, uh, so it was pretty easy for me to uh, create this setting. Uh, but I know if you if you're finding something you have no uh, no uh, familiarity with, you have to do your research, I guess, or travel. That that's interesting. But I did I did check out her and when you do so you know do something like that and you do research. Um, don't think I didn't look it up to see if she was right. Well, I find and that uh, you know I write I write you know my Claire Carlson books are all set in New York where I've lived you know most of my life, um, and the the other books as you know the Dana Perry books that I write under that name uh, Fran those are the most recent ones have been set on Martha's Vineyard where I've spent a lot of time. I'm one of those people who believe that. You, you really shouldn't research the location. You you really need to live it because I, I just yeah. think that if you don't write, if you do, if you're not writing about a location that you're really familiar with, I think it comes across to the book. I think for me anyway, it's very difficult to like Google someplace and learn it all about it and then write it. I, I'm just mm-hmm. always afraid I'm good. You know, when I'm writing about New York, I'm very confident that I'm 
portraying New York in the right way. Uh, I, I wouldn't feel that way about some place that I – and it, it, it's not even a matter of being there. Like I, I could go to New Orleans for three days for a con, for a voucher con, but you're still not getting the real feeling of, of the location. No. So I, I tend to write about places that I know very well. Well, my Rinaldi novels all where I grew up and went to college. Yes. Even though I live in Los Angeles, I worked really hard to make and I know Pittsburgh uh, not super well, but pretty well. Uh, and when I don't know anything, um, uh, 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 you know, then I, I call friends and go, "Gee, is the Penn Hotel still there?" In fact, it's interesting. I have a lot of readers in Pittsburgh, and they never email me or call me about the plot or the characters. They mostly just call me to tell me I got something. You know, that you, <laughs> they'll go like, "Oh, you have Daniel making a left on South Street. You can't do that." You know, <laughs> so. Um, so it 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 it's hard to to um, I can't make any mistakes and I make one every every book <laughs> I just do because I haven't it's, lived there in forty years so but I know the city pretty well but I, I, I try to make it a character in the book. And did you ever notice? Yeah. Did you ever notice that is that whenever you do make that mistake because I have made it you know geography mistake in a book, people will point. It's the one thing that people point out to you, you know, uh, uh-huh. and it can be something you know. I did a book recently when I got out of the army out of Vietnam. I got out of uh, I was uh, uh, discharged at Fort at Fort Lewis, and uh, you know in, in the book and it's either in Oregon or Washington. I don't even remember now, but wherever it is, I I thought I knew where it was and I had it in the wrong state, and of course you know somebody. Right, like, hey, I love the book, but hey, you know, Fort Lewis is in this state. You know, they'll always catch you on it. So it's it's something you really want to be. I I know I'm always very very concerned that I get all those little facts right. Well, I got something really silly sure. right in my last one, Sisters, and I can't believe anybody picked it up because I did it on purpose. Actually, I wrote it what? about with my sister before she died, and it's about the South Bronx because she grew up in a tough neighborhood. And basically, I think it took place in 1980, whatever, and I said, I had a cell phone. And they said, there's no way you could. I said, well, my father thought I was a good girl, and he gave me one anyway. And they said, you couldn't have had one. I said, actually, I left it in there because my sister wanted me to, so big deal. So I got lost to start for that one. They didn't, they didn't like that. And they said, you know, how could you have credit at a store? It was very easy. My father didn't allow me to walk around with money because it was a bad neighborhood. So if I wanted to get something, he would tell the store owner just to say charge it. So yeah, they, they missed yeah. it for a charge. It doesn't matter. But here, here's an interesting question. This is hard. I mean, just to, to write the title or to find the story or describe the What is the hardest thing that you have to do before you decide to create the next book? Because... To me, it's the hardest thing is just decide the first letter, first line of a book review so that people want to read it. And by the way, every time I post a review, people about 20 people read it in five seconds. So, Dick, you're very popular. And so are you. <laughs> and I'm waiting for Amazon to approve my five stars that I put in the other day. And um, I did uh, the OC also. I'm waiting for them to put DPs in. I put that in this morning, too. So what is the hardest thing when you're writing your next book? How do you decide what to write about and what, what, it's, what it's going to be? And the hardest thing is a title that's going to want to have somebody read it even before they open the pages. Well, I don't, I don't think you I, – I don't – I usually don't start with the title. I, I, I generally uh-huh. will write a book on title because a lot of times the title will sort of come later. And, and I don't know about you guys, uh, Dennis and Brian, but uh, the title sometimes can be decided by the publisher. You know, I've, I've certainly mm. – you know – uh, yeah. in, in, with my things, and they'll say like, "Well, what if we did this?" And they, they, they've generally been been right. I mean, you know, I'm, I don't really, I've never had any real issue, and I'm uh, so I, I don't really worry about a title. Um, for me, uh, the beginning of the book is always the easiest part because I have like some idea of something I want to do, and uh, so I don't I don't worry about that. Um, it's once you get started, you get the first couple chapters done. 
uh, and how am I going to get to the end? And and I I really get uh, frustrated and and uh, like mm-hmm. oh my god I'm not going to be able to finish this one when I'm you know once I get in the middle the whole middle of the book is just very difficult uh, to get through. So I'm 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 good on the beginning of the book. Um, mm-hmm. I generally you know by the time I get to the end you're on a roll and you can figure it out. Um, but that whole in between process for me is the is the biggest and most frustrating. Uh, Part of part of actually writing a writing a book. Well, I'm right with you there. Dick. Yeah, I'm with I mean, you there. I agree. Here. I mean, the right. beginning uh, is easy. For the hardest. I, mean, I don't outline, so who knows what's coming after the next few chapters? Yes. At the middle. Well, that's interesting. That's right. That's what we talked about the other day with Vincent Zandri and a whole bunch of people. How do you fix the middle of the book? That's what we were talking about. How do you get that so that I don't look at the book and go, like, do I have to finish this? Oh, my God. And usually what happens is I wind up skipping to the last page to see who did it because I don't even care anymore. <laughs> no, seriously, well, what, it's happened what, recently. One, one of the things I do, and I, I, think, I think Dennis was talking about something similar in his books, if I, if I understood him correctly. Um, what I tend to do in the, in the middle of the book is raise a lot of questions that I don't necessarily yeah. have the answers for. I just, like, I start throwing things in about this or that or this connection, mm-hmm. and I don't know where they're going to go. Now, there are times by the end of the book I'll say, well, maybe I'll go back and take that out because I don't really have an answer for it. But in most cases, uh, you know, I spend the last third of the book or whatever, you know, trying to figure out the answers to the questions I posed in the middle. Um, and again, it's it's a difficult process to do it like that. I mean, if if I could outline the whole thing, I mean, you know, and in perfect and then write it, that would probably would be easier. But I've never I've never worked like that, and most writers I know don't. Uh, so you know, uh, it's a struggle. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Before I forget, on Friday, you have to listen to this at 10 o'clock with uh, Dennis and I on Panic Attack. And on the 11th, I am totally honored. Robert Dagoni is coming on at 12 with uh, the World Play Chess. I'm like, oh, my God. On the 14th, the memory bell. And on the 18th, somebody we all know and love, Lee Matthew Goldberg with uh, – Okay. And uh, the grenade bouquet. The, and on the 19th, Vincent Zandri, and he won't tell me who the other person is. We're going to talk about whatever he decides to talk about. I'm serious. And on the 20th, I have never interviewed her before. I only read one book. Marsha Muller has asked for an interview. On the 25th, um, Dr. Maxine Thompson, Lineage. And on the 26th, I'm going to redo a show that the author had technical problems, Redemption. And that's just October. Wait till November. You won't believe it. I was like, wow. I'm so excited. Yeah, Robert Dagoni on Monday. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. And if you didn't read the What the World Plays Chess, you don't, want to, you, want to, you don't want to miss it. It's really good. So the other thing is, is that my last book, Population Zero, A World Without People, because I don't like people. I got rid of all of them and brought back a dead body to decide on whether they want to live in my world. What, what is the hard, How do you get something published the right way? I mean, it was an independent publisher. They did nothing to promote the book whatsoever. I didn't realize it was going to cost a lot of money to, to do it, and I would never do it again. They did a nice job, but basically when it came to promoting, they said if you pay us $4,000, we'll promote your book. So I didn't do that wow. ever. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was – I only did it because I won't say who had a book published by the same people, and I didn't ask if that person had to pay the same thing. They did a great job, but I didn't find that they did a magnanimous job, and I wasn't really sure if they read it. Um, so how do, you, how do you decide, besides Ocean View, if you're someone like myself, what would you suggest – if they write another, if I decide to get brave and write anything, would you suggest self-publishing, independent? Well, it's very hard to get in with somebody like Ocean View, right? Well, I mean, yeah, they're very, they're, they're, they only publish a few books uh, a month. They're very selective yeah. what they do. They're very, they're very good, very professional. Um, I would say, I would say, and again, I, look, I know a lot of people that self-publish and self-promote their books, yeah. and, and, and uh, I, I don't know a lot about that. I've never done that. I've always worked with established publishers. I don't know about everybody else there. Um, but I, I keep going back to the, to the most obvious thing is, and it's not easy to do, 
But if you can get an agent, the agent really solves a lot of problems. Number one, you yeah. always know that if somebody out there that wants to read your book, you're writing it for someone, and uh, the agent then gives you feedback. But then the agent, you know, 90, I mean, I'm just making this up, but say like 90% of publishers won't even look at your book without an agent, so you can't even get in the door. An agent That's can get hard. in the door. It won't necessarily sell the book, but they get you in the door and get somebody to, to read it. So it isn't easy getting an agent these days, but uh, for me, um, I've always operated through one, and it, it and, and also you don't, don't have to worry about issues like your contract or things like that. I mean, the agent takes care of that for you, um, and it's a big it's a big load off you. So uh, that would be my advice. It's not easy to do, but I, I would try and get an agent. Isn't that expensive, though? Don't they take like 10% or something of your, of your profit eventually? Well, 15%, but it's only money you've made. I mean, you, you don't pay the agent unless they sell the book. So, I you know, if they, if, they sell, if, they sell, if they sold your book for, you know, whatever, 10000 100000 you know, they take 15%, but what the heck, you know, you still get 85%. You don't, you know, you never want to pay somebody. Uh, out of your own pocket um, for, for that, the agent. The agent you never want to do that. Rep- yes, it should only take a, base, a percentage fee after they yeah. sold it. Yes, you don't want to ever Sorry. pay. And if an agent says, "Oh, you got to pay me," no, no, no. Only I know what you're saying. And, yeah. and a good and a good agent will 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 represent somebody sometimes for a, a good period of time without making a lot of money because they you know if they believe in the person they just feel well down the line you know but I mean uh, yeah a good agent would never uh, a reputable agent would never say to you you have to pay me so much um, it, it has right. to be it has to be uh, it has to be a percentage of the profit. Yeah, I, I got a couple of emails recently, I don't know why, from a whole bunch of literary agents, and I just, you know, ignored it because I knew they were, it, it was baloney, and I know that a lot of them, but you know what bothered me with this book was that um, it came out June 26th, in memory of my sister, which is the day she uh, had a heart attack, and I sold over close to 400 books, seriously, and between Amazon and the printer and Ingram, I should have gotten... I it was like over two thousand dollars. I got five hundred and twelve for royalties. Seriously, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And I asked the person, and they said it's because Ingram and Amazon, and they all get it. So I just got another check for a hundred and twenty-nine dollars, and I sold like thirty books, and they're all like fourteen dollars. So you don't get that much, even though. As far as self-publishing, I did self-publish with uh, Fidelity Publishing. And she's not a lot of money. She does a really good job. The only problem is is that they don't read the book, and they don't edit it. And that yeah. makes it a hard problem. Because what happens when, I mean, I'm reading a couple of books by New York Times authors, and I emailed one of the publicists, and I said, you have a character mistake. Instead of saying the police officer or whatever, you're saying that the character themselves asked for that. And that makes it bad because when you get the review, they're going to pan it. I usually pick it up. I don't know why, but I do. So it makes it really, really difficult. So do you ever have a problem with editing? I mean, this book that I did right, the last one had perfect. Nobody said I made any mistakes. Of course, there were a couple of people who said that they hated it, even though as I am tour with Partners in Carmen, I said, well, that's your opinion. I don't really care. I don't get upset anymore. But how do you deal with with with, an, with editing problems? You, do you go over it yourself, or does the editor go over it with you, or do you ever disagree with well, that? Well, you have to. I think in, in my case, I had to. I went over it many times. I had to actually. Uh, I had to actually hire somebody to to do it because your eyes can only yeah. see so much. You need yeah. other sets of eyes to find things that you missed, and you're you become blinded. You're too close to to the writing. And you miss stuff. So I, I paid a, a, a reputable editor, and it really was worth it. She did a great job. Well, I, I have I an editor too, guys. but she misses things, though. So what do you do if your editor misses it? Do you get somebody else? Well, you need, just you in need, case? Well, you, you need to catch it. You know, I think in the end, you, right. you need to catch it yourself. Like you, you, yeah, you yeah, usually what, do. Uh, what yeah, Brian said, it's good to have other people, but then you need to be responsible. Right. I just think there's two kinds of editing, though. I mean, for me, okay. and, and I've been real lucky with both my publishers and that they've been really 
you know, it's been really helpful and good. Um, one of which is the, you know, the big structure editing. And in some ways, that's the one where, you know, my agent will do that. And also the, maybe the, you know, at Ocean View, uh, the editor, the woman, uh, it's written by Bob and Pat Goosen. And Pat Goosen is the main editorial person. And she's the one that, so they'll tell you stuff like, you know, uh, this doesn't work, your climax, you know, or you need to build this character up. Uh-huh. So we're talking about, you know, sort of overall structure editing, which is obviously really crucial. And and then after that becomes the line editing, which goes to like a copy copy editor. Mm-hmm. And most of them are really good. I mean, they'll they'll they'll. I mean, in my books, they'll find stuff like that I didn't even see. I'll be like, oh my god, you're right. You know, and it could be some little tidbit of some information of some store that doesn't exist anymore, or you know, uh, didn't you call this character something like that? Generally, with a with a with a with a publisher like with me with Ocean View or with Bookacher, which is my other publisher in London, it goes through several processes like this. But in the end, um, you have to be responsible for reading it yourself. And every once in a while, you'll you will catch something that no one else did. Yeah, that's Lord. happened to me. I've been very lucky in that you know I've worked with great editors at Poison Pen mm-hmm. Press, and now I'm with Source Books, which uh, bought Poison Pen a couple years ago. Right. I've been very lucky. I'm Impulsive, and I rewrite, reread, and rewrite a lot, so that by the time they get the manuscript, pretty uh, clean, I think. And then they'll point out some whopper I just didn't see. Like Brian said, you get kind of blind in a certain way, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and you know, <laughs> it's like there'll be a, a one of books had like a suitcase full of uh, ransom money or something like that, and I, I I deliver it, and then I never mention it again, and I forgot it. And what? Yeah. So it's so funny because I think I'm so clear eyed about it and so. The other thing that was my problem. If Brian and Dick do this, I use words, certain words, too many times. Like the word dark. Yes. Yes. Dark eyes, dark hair. It was dark outside. What a dark mood. That was a dark laugh. And my editors go, How many goddamn times do you want to say the word dark? And now, and now, and now, Dennis. Of course, with all the, you know, the, you know, this, you know, now that we're all on computers, all you got to do is press find, and it'll tell you that you used it 142 times, you know, and and really? uh, you'll be like, holy, yeah. well, that's, of course, yeah, that's... you know, you just punch the word in. So my editor did that with one of my books, and it was, I think, the word just. Do you know how many times you said just in this book? And um, so I'm very, very aware of that now. So because there's many, many times you'll use a word when you don't need to use that word. It's not wrong. But it just, it, you're using it too much, you know? Well, if I press fine, my computer deletes the review. No, I'm serious. No, no, if you, if you go through your, you it know, does, if you do the search. Does. No, but if you put a word in search, it'll tell you. And it's scary sometimes. You'll time? put a word really? in like, uh, like dark and it'll come up that you've used it, you know, a hundred times, you know. All I know yeah. is that the last review I wrote was really a phenomenal one. It was a good thing I wrote it on my notepad and put it on my computer because obviously the computer didn't like the book. <laughs> and it disappeared. Yeah, it disappeared. I, I had a fit. I said, "You've got to be kidding me! How could how could you do this to this poor girl?" I mean, oh. it took me like forever to write it. I mean, they, they I had a line editor, a comment editor, and you know what I found? All they did was highlight something. Um, do you really need this paragraph? So I emailed them back. So what should I fix? How would you how would you change it? And they didn't do that. And for well, that much they money, they, they they didn't do anything. Nothing. No. Well, the, the, the word, there's this tracking thing, which I didn't even know existed. Yeah. When they did the edit this time, they not only, you know, underline words and then suggest alternatives, but there's a little yeah, column on the right they where they go, you say something like this before, or why yes. would he about her? And I had to answer all those questions in the uh-huh. column on the right, which yeah. made them yeah. stronger. I, I, I think the editorial, it, by God, on panic attack made the book better. Yeah. Well, I thought it was really good, and I almost had a panic attack when I finished it. Seriously. Ah, good. So, and it did it. And on Friday, so I'll be able to tell everybody? you how to. Uh, on Friday, I'll give you treatment options for those panic attacks. I'm, I'm give me a treatment <laughs> option for me too. Let me tell you. I, I mean, originally on Thursday or Friday, I was supposed to get my cavity filled. But when you said you wanted to do the book and that, I said, well, good. Now I'll have my panic attack on October 21st. Yeah, you can just move. I'm going to get the cavity filled. 
I think it's good to schedule your panic attacks. It's much more convenient. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have it on on October 21st at 9 o'clock before I go get my cavity filled because I can't stand going to the dentist. So what's next for everybody, and when am I getting it? <laughs> in my schedule. Well, you know, I left a message for Dr. Rinaldi and to ask what's going on, but he hasn't returned. Very busy, and for some reason, you need, reason, me, to, I need leave... me to. I can, I can, you know, put the the fire under him. I can light a fire yeah. under the guy. What can I say? Oh, so I don't know what's been going on with him recently. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably using the same excuse I am: COVID, COVID. Yeah, <laughs> it covers. Don't a lot worry, of we'll get there. Once this is all done, we'll start working on the next. Yeah. Oh, good, because I'll be disappointed. Well, on no, that. no, well, I'm working on to read. And what are you doing, Dick? Well, Fran, you got you just got my most recent, which is uh, 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 the written as Dana Perry, Silent Island. I know what uh, you know. That was just a few weeks ago, um, so that just came out. Uh, that was actually released uh, uh, yesterday. So yesterday was. I posted the review on that one too. You did. It was great. And in fact, I quoted. I'm waiting. You for, I'm waiting for to, them to to say that Amazon has it. Yeah, because I read it. And I uh, they took. Down. I think they. I think the. I think the publisher has been using some of your quote as a promotion. I know on one. Of well, the, he could use I anything he wants. And I said, you know, I got so upset because I said, if this, if that, would have come out before, they could have put it on the back cover, and then I would have been more famous than I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that. So that one just came out, and of course, you know, beyond the headlines is my most recent Claire Carlson book that came out in May. So obviously, that's very much in sale. All the earlier books in the series, the Claire Carlson book in the series, are actually on special sale, the ebook for one ninety nine, like till the end of October. Um, mm. And I'm working on a, I'm working. I just turned in, I just turned in um, the fifth Claire Carlson book that'll be out uh, sometime in 2022. So, uh, is it May? You know, are we scheduling? Is no, it, is no, this is going to be later. later. This is going to be later. This is actually going to be in the fall because um, I got so involved writing the Dana because I did two Dana Perry books this year so it got yeah, pushed really back good. to October yeah so but uh so anyway that's you know I've got I've got enough output to, and I'm going to be back uh, I'm going to be on sometime back in November to talk about the Dana Perry book too right November 17th uh, at 10 great. thank you next week uh, a week from today the best american mystery and suspense story of 2021 is released and I'm fortunate enough to have uh, one of my stories in that anthology so, so how come I didn't to get that, it to yeah. review? Can I get a copy to review? I haven't gotten it yet so either. It HMH like? book. <laughs> well, I think that's really cool. Congratulations. Yeah. That's Congrats, great. Man. Thank you. Thank you. All I it's, know is uh, that... It's I, actually I, I, the prequel to uh, to the uh, character uh, that, that is in my good. novel. Yeah. Well, they got to give me a copy so I could read it. Anyone who's like interested in my Daniel Rinaldi series, the, the debut novel, Mirror Image is on sale. You can get it, I think, uh, for like $9 uh, on, on Amazon. So uh, you can get in the character. There's six books in all. Great. So, uh, they really are good. Thank you, They're Fran. Really I, it's a lot to me that you like the books. Uh, uh, I always think of you when I'm writing. I'm going, I wonder if she'll like this one. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because there are a couple of famous people whose books I went you didn't really write that, and I'm really not reading it. Oh, my God. I just read a few books. Um, Alifair Burke's book is not out yet. Find Me. That sort of got me, and I said, oh, that's interesting. No, it was, it was pretty good. Um, the Dark was really good. Um, I just got an email from Stephen Manchester. January 18th, he wanted to talk about Dad. And that's a you know, different kind of genre, three, three uh, people, a father, a grandfather, and a son and their lives together, and it was interesting, and I was honored that he asked for an interview. So what can I say? Um, thank you so much. Where can everybody get more of your books besides Amazon and Barnes & Noble and everything? And by the way, thank you for sending me prints because friend doesn't read PDFs. I can't stand it. It bothers my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Gladly. I know. Gladly there was an author that away, said so. something on LinkedIn, and then yesterday he said, you know, would you review my books? I said, when it comes out, I won't even tell you the title. I said, you know, you have to send me print. He said, well, if I had sent it print to every single person that reviewed it, I said, I guess I'm going to miss mine because I'm not <laughs> buying it. You had to send it. What can I say? So thank you so much. It's beautiful outside. 
Dick, is it sunny where you are? Cause it's no, it is not sunny. <laughs> no. no, it's Again, not sunny here I think either. As, uh, I think as Brian said, I'm not sure where you are, but it's kind of uh, gloomy in New York City, you know. Yeah. Not raining, but yeah. just not, not beautiful. So. No, it's not beautiful outside, but uh, the deli just made something special for me, so I've got to go All get right. it. Okay. Well, you know, there were, there were some really nice people up here, and I'll call them at 7 o'clock in the morning, and they said, do you have any of this? Can you make it? I'll see you at 11. And they just do because they feel bad for me. But everybody, thank you so much. Everyone, this is what I've been saying at the end of my shows because, you know, I go outside in the morning or you'll go to the bakery and everybody's so very grumpy. So I try to do an act of kindness every single day. Doing my show makes me feel great. And I'll turn around and I'll say, you know, say, say to a stranger, you look really nice or have a nice day or just smile because you don't see anybody smile under the mask. So if everybody did a kindness or said something nice, maybe the virus would realize you're negative and we don't want you here anymore. Just leave. <laughs> yeah. What can I say? <laughs> All right. So I'll me on, Brian. And goodbye to Dick and Brian. Same. Bye, Brian. Bye, everybody all. have a Thank great you. day and bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye.